Welcome to the Volley Pod, where we're all about coaching kids volleyball. With drills, skills, and scenarios, we keep things fast, fun, and effective. Presented by the Art of Coaching Volleyball, the Volley Pod is your new source for coaching information. Good morning, and welcome to the Volley Pod. How are you today, Todd? Davis, it's all good here. It's all good in the pod. Nice, uh, nice to be back and see you. I uh, heard you uh, came to one of our matches last week. Oh yeah, you guys are looking good. I always say you do the most with the least and no knock on your team, but I know you had a lot of seniors uh, graduate and you guys look sharp. I mean, you guys put it on a pretty good team. We uh, actually, I, I thought we played, that might've been our best, our best showing of the year. So you came at a good time. You're good <laughs> luck. Now you got to come every time. Yeah. If we're going to play that well, we got to get you, we got to get you in there. You guys were rolling. I think the game I saw was 25-8 against a pretty solid point loma team well the thing is is that first set uh everything one of those sets everything went right we got every clipper off the net every little tool everything was perfect and then uh you know after that it was a battle you know we won in one in four but it was uh it, it wasn't easy by any means so it was you know talent wise uh we're small yeah, you know, but your, your freshman middles or your younger middles are making it work. You're staying with your best offense. Yeah, we're trying. Yeah, Two-person serve receiving. Yeah, that's, yeah, cool. so, yeah, we're doing some stuff. But anyway, uh, skill, what do you have for us today? I think you're starting off with a skill. So the skill of the day is a coaching skill. It's how to give feedback. And this is really more of an art than a skill, although there is some science to it. I think the best coaches know how to give feedback the best. And by give feedback the best, there is no specific correct way. What really matters is how the athlete takes it. Yep. You know, and I think this is a great topic. First of all, I, when I heard what you were doing, I said, Hey, this is, this is awesome. We got to talk about feedback because it's huge. It's huge. And I think we have this, um, misconception that if we say things <laughs> that they happen because we're the coach and that's just not the case necessarily. So how we provide feedback is really, really important. So I'm going to get into some things. Again, this is not an exhaustive list. These are just ideas really for people to think about and um, some things that I've taken with me over the long course of my coaching career. So the first one is a bit contrary to what a lot of coaches do. What most coaches do is error detection, right? Error detection and correction. And what I, what I believe and what science shows is that detecting errors really doesn't do that much for their progress towards avoiding errors. It's more like, can you detect the error and then give them something to do to be more efficient than the error, as opposed to pointing out the error. So sticking with the positive. Stay positive. And it's so hard. And even if you can just frame things as a positive, instead of saying, don't swing your arms, you say, have a quiet platform or minimize your swing. Just simply the verbiage we know is impactful on the learner. So that's a really cool one. And just switching from the idea of error detection to catching them, finding it, doing it right. Catch, yep. Right. So that's an important one. Um, then I, I love this one. So this one was a really cool one I got during my little study for the preparing for this pod. There's a kind of key difference between management and leadership. 
leaders understand that the focus should be the goal while managers focus on how you get there. And I really think that we need leaders, right? There absolutely has to be a path and we do need managers, but I think the best coaches give them this vision of what it should be and then have them figure out their way there as opposed to dictating the way there. Yep. I, th I think a lot of this is good. I, I don't know if you're going to get into video, Not too uh, much. Not but too much. Uh, when you look in, you know, I'm trying to always, I used to, you know, get into a bunch of error detection video and now I'm into, Hey, this is how we want to look. Yes. This is how we want to look. This is our offense clicking. This is yes. the rhythm we want. And so showing them some back to back clips there, this is it. This is it. Now we just have to do it more often. I love that. And I think that that's shown to be more effective. Yep. Right. So that's definitely a, a great way to go. So that's awesome. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring in is uh, we all know the very famous coach, John Wooden, right? One of the winningest coaches in all sports. They put him on a mic for all a whole season. And they broke down his feedback into different categories. And it was 6 to 7% only were compliments. And I think young coaches, and I know I fall into this myself, as way of encouragement, we compliment them too often. I know that I'm over the 7%. A compliment should be deserved. And when we say that we want to stay positive, we absolutely do. But I think we can stay in these other forms, um, information conveying was 75%. So instead of saying good, say way to get your platform angled. That's information conveying versus a compliment. Right. You know, and I think there's a distinction there that really really is important. And only 7% what it, basically what he had was an was an expression of displeasure. And I think we I can definitely work on that. You know, I think even if it's a hang of the head or the shoulders drooping or whatever, only 7% of the time, this masterful coach expressed displeasure. And I know that a lot of coaches do well more than that, you know? And so that's one thing I'd like to work on. Four, preload your feedback. So tell them, the athletes, what you're going to be giving them feedback on. So for example, in this drill, we're going to be working on getting to your base and releasing, you know, to your, uh, you know, drop spot and getting a read. And then you coach on that. So they are prepared. It's so easy to get get out of that. What? Yeah, single item focus is is what I call it. Yeah, you know, I read about it somewhere and use that now. But it's so easy to get caught up and get distracted and be giving all different feedback. And it, it's it's not bad feedback. No, it's just not your single item focus. And exactly. so it's so random. And it can be distracting to what you're actually trying to achieve. Yep. Right. And so exactly in this drill, we'll be giving you feedback on whatever it is. And then that way they know what to attend to and they can make that their priority. And they still play in volleyball, you know, but it's just not the focus at the time. Five, and you kind of just mentioned it, stay on track, right? We really as humans can only manage a few real strong focuses at a time, right? And if we try to do more than that, it becomes distracting, overwhelming, and we really end up getting nothing, you know? Um, so that's one thing. And, um, maybe one or two key focuses and you can maybe sprinkle little comments about effort or about talking, you know, stuff that they really have a firm grasp on, 
but you don't want to be introducing new stuff or really exploring new feedback when the feedback is supposed to be something different. Right. And if they're doing it, then, you know, I like getting excited when that is going well, when absolutely. that single line of focus is, hey, that's it. Yes. You got it. Well, absolutely. And, and so that brings me to this other one. Anchor their best attempts. Even if it's not exactly what we wanted that day, if they're getting there, anchor their best attempts with an emotional response of excitement and joy and, you know, showing them like, yes, you know, giving them a high five. This is actually quite more meaningful to them than, than they act like sometimes they try to be cool. And also it actually is really beneficial because what we want is for them to reproduce that, that good thing more and more, right? Not, not to just keep error correcting and keep error correcting. Well, it's, it's fun to get better. It's fun. It's fun to get better. And kids are spending a lot of time playing the game. And, you know, the, the reward is, hey, it's fun to play the game, but it's fun to get better. Absolutely. And celebrating that is cool. Yes. And um, help them remember their best attempts, like video, like send them their best one back to them. Um, a lot of times I'll do lessons and we'll be recording the whole thing. And I'll be like, that's it. That's the one we want to remember. And I'll just send that back to them so they can remember that. Perfect. You know, awesome. Pictures, high fives, all of that stuff. And another thing to think about when giving feedback, engage their worst attempts with a technical mindset. So a lot of times they go, oh, <laughs> I waffled all the way to the back wall. Right. I'm a bad hitter. Right. And no, no, we just didn't get spin or, you know, we didn't get our you know hand over the top finally of the baller, whatever it is. So instead of having an emotional response on the negative ones and a technical on the good ones, we kind of flip that and make sure that we're being technical on our worst ones and emotionally engaged on our. Ah, I like that little flip. It'll flip the switch on that. Flip the switch, right? Um, we can also avoid empty feedback. And we mentioned this briefly earlier, good, bad, unless that's followed by something specific, um, we're really not engaging a specific behavior, right? And then it can be confusing. What is good? What is bad? And maybe they have a great attitude, but the ball goes flying to the, you know, to the seats. Um, good posture, right? As long as it's followed by something concrete, I think that the feedback can still be meaningful in a error or in a mistake. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the good errors, bad errors too. Yes. And so, hey, if they're hitting the back wall, that means their hands moving fast. Yeah. And we want big errors, especially when you're trying to improve. You got you got to go for it. Yes, I love it. And 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 we could frame things as getting things closer to their goal, as moving us closer to their goal, or moving away from their goal. Right? Like you just mentioned having a fast arm we're moving closer to our goal of booming big swings if they're just you know roll shotting all the time we're moving away from that yep. goal so love that and then um oh convey optimism in the growth mindset these kids are really trying and we need to convey that they will get it and so they're gonna fail many times in volleyball you know they just you mess up it happens and you say you'll get it not yet but you will Okay, you're on track, you're on your way. And I think the more we can say that it actually, especially when they're in the growth portion where they're struggling with their own belief that they can do it, right? You're on track, you can do it. I believe in you, not even I believe in you, but this is the, this, this is the right track. Yeah, it's that coach's uh, purveyor of hope. Yes. That purveyor of hope that, hey, good things are right around the corner. Absolutely. And I, I will add, though, 
we, we talk a lot about optimism and conveying optimism. There is a time to be critical, of course, and we have to be critical as coaches. I would definitely be critical of them on anything related to safety, anything related to team spirit and attitude, anything culture wise. And I would stop and reframe um, if they're not attending to our focus or if they're um, being critical as opposed to being forward thinking. So there is a time to be critical of them. And you just want to make sure that you're having a great awareness. Now, the best coaches do this masterfully, right? I've seen it's surprising to me how many of the best coaches who you think are so tough, quote unquote, deliver their feedback with such a kind nature. It's not necessary to yell or, you know, scream at them. And I'm actually often really surprised that these really highly demanding coaches can simply communicate their stuff straightforwardly. So a little bit on feedback. We could do a lot more on this because there's tons that goes into it. There's all sorts of science behind it. But I think that those are some great ideas to get people thinking. Yep. Uh, I'll throw in. First one is how about using players? I love it. I love it. You do some of that? I love it. Yep. Especially when it's really, really clear. Like, so, yes, no. Yeah, just yes, no. Yep. Yeah. That yes, no feedback. We like the... Uh, you know, is your plat like beginning stuff where you freeze your platform? Yep. And so I catch the ball that you pass. I have to look and see is your platform still out frozen? Yes or no? I love that. You need three yeses in a row and then switch partners, stuff like that. So we have these little feedback uh, loops that are created where players are giving feedback. And once again, how do you learn something? You learn it best when you teach it. You know, we know that as, you know, English teachers, I think. So, well, and, and the social feedback is really powerful, right? If they're getting feedback from someone other than a coach, I really believe that that's pretty darn powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome stuff. So right on. So that's the skill of the week was giving feedback. And what is the scenario? The scenario. Well, I'm not going to. This is what I'm dealing with today, Davis, oh, in wow. practice. Okay. So practice ended today. And uh, I'll give you a little bit of background. So last year, we had a pretty talented group. You mentioned before we had some seniors. And the one position that was really behind all the others was the setting position. So we took a couple sophomores, one of whom was a setter, one wasn't a setter, and we, we trained both of them, started the season in a 6-2, and eventually took the one who was a, who was a, a new setter and put her back in a DS position and ended the year in a 5-1 with a, with a sophomore setter. Okay. Uh, we come in this year with that same setter returning, uh, and she's gotten pretty good. Uh, but then we had a, a player transfer in who was a, also a talented setter. Very, so yeah, very talented. I wasn't, uh, and you know her well because she, she played for you. Yeah. Uh, so now all of a sudden I'm looking at things and going, wait a minute, are we in five, one, six, two, how are we going to do this? And we had both of the setters had to miss a little bit early in the season. So okay. there was this, uh, so I, I really started with a, in a 5-1 uh, with my returning setter, who obviously I'm a little more comfortable with her because, you know, we worked all last year. But I have this other setter. So now I'm saying, wait a minute. There's some coaches who believe. They go, no, 6-2, bunch of moving parts. Uh, you know, stick with the 5-1. You'll be happier in the 5-1. And then, you know, hey, I had 
I ran a six two for you know until the last couple of years we did a six two for probably ten years prior to that so pretty comfortable with that uh, but I'm I'm looking at it through some new lenses right now I'm looking at serving I'm looking at defense I mean I mean there's there are a bunch of variables there yeah so oh, give me your give me your two cents well first of all I would say you're in a better spot than most because you actually can conceivably do both. Right. So you have the choice. So that's a good position to be in to start with. Right. I know the sec, the, I know both of the setters, right. They're both around our club often and they're both good. So you have a legitimate claim to either is I guess what I mean. Well, right. There's not a yeah. huge gap between the setters. Right. And so you're going to, there is, yeah. And so, and there's, there's gaps in certain ways, but right. I mean, overall. one, I mean, there, you know, uh, you know, one of them sets the middle a little better. One of them sets the go a little better. One of them has a little more strength to push stuff out. Ball, yeah. And so there, are, one of them is a little better in the air. So, I mean, we have, there's all these, you know, little pluses and minuses and right. weighing those out is, is, uh, not easy. So, okay. So my, typically my thing is this, and keep in mind that I've had often the twos team at coast, you know, cause I'm working a full-time job. And on the twos teams, you don't necessarily get the one D1 elite setter a lot of times. So I've been in the 6-2 nearly every year as well, basically. And we will default into the 5-1 when we run out of subs. But my big thing on why more teams should use the 6-2 is you can go pin to pin and use the right side attack when you're out of system. That to me is the biggest thing. And unless you have a slide hitter that can do it, um, and, and I mean, get set out of system when the set is a two passer, et cetera, then I think you know, there's a ton of advantage to having a second right side in there that can draw some attention away from the outside, which they're definitely going to load the block up on. That's typically my thing. What do you think of that? I, I like it because that's something that I haven't thought as much about that out of system on the right. And we do it so often in practice because a lot of times, you know, we're, you know, uh, we're watching the setters compete in practice with the right size. And we spend a lot of time in the six, two in practice because it's, you know, setters playing back row. So our right siders can play front row. And so we do a lot of that. So I just kind of assume that, oh yeah, we're getting swings out of system on the right all the time in practice. But when we get in the 5-1, you're right. We don't get those. Uh, so what do you think of the idea of beginning in a 5-1 and then flexing back and forth? See, I like that. I really like that. And I think it can mess with other teams. They think you, they think you're in the five one and then you're not, and you can, in the rally, they'll lose track of you a little bit. I really like the idea of flipping back and forth. And I've never really done it. And I might start. And club, <laughs> and, and in club, it's difficult because you'll run out of subs. Real yeah. Quick. I mean, in high school I have, I'm, I'm subbing less this year than I have. I think since I can remember my memory's going, but it's been some years where I always like using a bunch of players. And this year, you know, both of our lefts are six rotation around. lefts. 
And then, you know, libero is pretty standard uh, in for the middles. And and then we have a serving specialist for a middle is really the only sub we're really using. So it's, uh, I have plenty of subs. So I can can flip flip. around and and do a lot of stuff with that. Now, do you have a slide hitter? We don't have a slide hitter. Okay. So that that can help stretch it across the net, obviously. That might be something to think about. We're playing around with letting our middle hit off two feet behind and serve receive. Shuffle kind of behind. So yeah, she's you know, um, you know, when uh when we're in five and our middle's behind, you know, back instead of trying to get her in front, I'm just saying, hey, uh we're using our jump setting setter as a middle attacker and telling her to be aggressive and then just going fast to the pins. Yeah. See, I like that idea. I think when you are are allowing them to play three on two, that's when it gets difficult. Yep. And people are ganging up on us and we're trying to our setters dumping a bunch. But I think when somebody scouts you, you can only get away with that so often. Yeah. And, you know, also when they're so close, it's almost like, why not? And then the only other consideration I would say is, do you have two right sides that can actually draw attention? And it seems like you do. Yep, we do. So, you know, if you if you're just putting a right side over there just to have someone, I don't know if that's worth. No, it. we have to set yeah. and we have to spread. We have to spread the net. Our lefts aren't super physical. Uh, we have to spread the net. So we have to get get balls over on the right side of the corner. I just don't think teams defend the right as well as the left. Yeah. And so if I had my druthers, we'd set over there as much as we set the left. Yeah. So you got you got some stuff to think about. <laughs> well, no, and that's kind of why the yeah. scenario is interesting. One. And, yeah. you know, they bring in, you know, their different skill sets that yeah. the, both the setters have. And they're both talented. Uh, you know, when we start looking at serving and defense and some other things, it's, it's interesting on how it all, how it works out, but, uh, I will keep you posted on how this, we, uh, we, the match you saw us, we knew we weren't going to go to a six, two in that match. We said, we're going to have, uh, we're going to be in a five, one. And then our Thursday match, actually both setters were in on the five, one in that match. So, um, Tomorrow we have a match, and I think we're going to try to flex a little bit and see how that works. Really cool. So that's awesome. So you're going to check it out. And then, you know, the U.S. team for a while, they were going where they would um, they would switch to the into sets. at the end of the game. Into the yeah. sets, right. And I think that might be something to, to mess with. Too, yep you know that's all right do you have some uh i guess some videos for us i do i got some videos and all right so we got the videos for today and the first video is about error correction and it's eight keys to giving feedback that benefits your players it was from it's a blog and it's from coach dunning coach maddox and coach karai three pretty good coaches <laughs> I, I, I like my company there that's pretty nice i get to hang out there <laughs> <laughs> right in the middle there but it's um it's basically how to give feedback in a way that's going to benefit your players it's a short it's a short video but it's a it's a strong one i think coaches would get a lot out of it the next video is how to identify and correct behaviors and again this is about feedback. It's another short hitter, but it's also about be careful what you reward. I think as coaches, a lot of times we want to encourage them, but we have to encourage them in the correct way to get the most out of them. So that's something that this video goes into a little bit, which is awesome. And then the third video is 
a short video. It's about Mark Rosen. It's got this cute little kid on the front. But basically, it's all about positive feedback. And Mark Rosen, if you know, he's one of the top coaches at Michigan, and they've got a killer program, but he's very positive. And he's basically pointing out that you can still reach a high level being positive. I love it. Good stuff. Yeah, those are the videos for the day. So what is the resource of the week? So the resource of the week is a little, I'm going to throw you a little curveball because it is a daily newsletter that I subscribe to. Okay. That's free. Okay. And it's called The Daily Coach. Oh, wow. Never heard of it. Well, you have to check it out. So uh, every day they, they send something, a couple days a week they have, uh, I think Sundays are always uh, a little different. But they give a little coaching tip, little coaching scenario. A lot of it has to do with current events. Okay. So let's say when Bill Russell, the Hall of Fame basketball player and coach, passed away, they would do a little blurb on Bill Russell's leadership style as a coach. Okay. Uh, today's, uh, speaking of positive, is a uh, they share a little Twitter video on here of Mac Brown, who is a coach in North Carolina. They won their football game the other day, 63 to 61. And he's a 71 year old guy who's dancing with his football team after this win. And it goes on to uh, talk about the idea of uh, celebrating. And the idea of coaches enjoying those good moments because we have high standards. We're always wanting to get a little better. Uh, but hey, can we share the joy? So cool. If you can check out that video, if you've ever got a chance, <laughs> it is enjoyable. So we hit a lot of great stuff today. We talked about giving feedback. We talked about, you know, whether we should run the five, one or the six, two, we didn't really decide, but we had some good food for thought there. We talked about the videos that uh, can give you a little bit more food for thought on, you know, where you might want to go in terms of your feedback style. And then we shared the resource, which is the daily, the daily coach. Sounds good. Well, another great episode. Thanks Davis. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. See you next time. Bye-bye.